Amen. Thanks, Martin. Evening, everyone. We are uh, right at the beginning of a series from the book of James. Uh, James is probably the book in the Bible that I've spoken most about over the years. It's the kind of the go-to book for most preachers. And I think the reason for that is because the book of James is so absolutely, utterly, inescapably practical in the Christian life. What am I called to do? What am I called to be as a Christian? If you're in any doubt about that, you can read through the book of James. And it provides you with some tough, inescapable truths that we're called to live by. In fact, scarily so, uh, which we'll come to in a minute. If you're a person that likes to think about things in threes, here are the three things I'm going to say tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk about the belief that saves, the blessing that flows, and the religion that counts. So first up then, the belief that saves. This is from these uh, few verses that Debbie just read to us. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. And uh, just as we, as we start thinking about belief, James, who was an early Christian leader, the brother of Jesus and Jude, leading a church in Jerusalem, writing to primarily a bunch of Jewish Christians. That's why the beginning of the book of James uh, simply says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He's writing to Jewish believers primarily. But that doesn't count us out, in case you're thinking, great, I've got a few minutes to doze off. Um, because he's, he's writing with the, the, the practice. What does it mean to live as a Christian? And right at the beginning of this little section in James chapter 1, he's talking about humbly accepting the word that is planted in you. In other words, when you become a Christian, God's word is planted in you. His heart is in you. When we make a response to Jesus, he, uh, and we open the little door of our lives and say, Lord, I'm letting you in. He says, great. And he comes in by his spirit, fills us up. His word gets planted in us. And for many of us, we'd like to say, hooray. Isn't that a wonderful thing that God lives in us by his spirit? And for many Christians, you know, it stops there. We kind of go, hurrah, I'm in. How fantastic. I've, uh, I've reached the pinnacle. I've reached the point of becoming a Christian and then that, then that is it. We uh, have the word planted in us. Him by his spirit living in us. But if you notice right at the beginning of this little, little chapter, James write this, writes this. He says, now, humbly accept the word planted in you. And it's an interesting dynamic here that James seems to be saying the word gets planted in you and then you have to live accepting it. The word gets planted in you and then you have to live accepting it. In other words, the the impact of Jesus in our life must have a transformative effect on the way that we go about living our lives. Or else what's the point? If he makes no difference and it makes no difference in us, What is the point? Humbly accept. This humble acceptance. And the word literally means, the word that James uses here about accepting is the same word used of uh, of hospitality. It's the original word meaning be hospitable to God's word planted in you. Welcome. Uh, In the same way that if somebody comes to your house for a meal, you probably don't just open the door and go, yeah, whatever. 
we don't, do we? We don't sort of open the door and just say, you know, we, we actually say, oh, hi, great to see you. So glad you came. Come on in. Uh, you know, do you, do you want a drink? Do you know, what, how could you, you, you do something, don't you, differently as a result. You are hospitable. You welcome. And it's the same word that's used here. The same word that we would use to welcome people into our homes is the same word used here. That the God's word planted in us when we become Christians. James says, now accept it. Live welcoming that word in your life. Now, I want you to imagine that your life is an old cottage. For some, that might be easier than others. Um, Imagine your life is like a, or maybe a a, a modern cottage, beautifully festooned on the outside, lovely double glazed windows, none of the hard work you need to do. It's all kind of done. And and you, you open the door of this cottage and the cottage symbolizes your life. You open the door of the cottage and Jesus is standing there at the, on the doorstep. And you say, Lord, come on in. Come into my cottage. Come into my life. And then we, we, we place Jesus in a lovely little setting in the porch. Little seat, a little few plants, um, you know, a cup of tea maybe. And we say, Jesus, just stay there for a moment uh, and then we close the porch door and then we we step inside the inner door and we just gently close it behind us we don't actually close it shut but we just close it behind us and Jesus is in there in the porch with his cup of tea in the front bit of your cottage and gradually there's this little actually um, Jesus says I'd love to come in from the porch if that's all right I'd like to come into the front room where the family are and the friends are. And we say, Lord, I, I, I'm so sorry, but um, if you could just stay in the porch, that would be the best place. It's clean there and it's, it's you know, spacious enough, but not too spacious that you might get lost. <laughs> um, and then we go back in and we hang out with our families and our friends. And then a bit later, you know, and Jesus says, you know, uh, Sai, do you think I could c- come and see the basement of your cottage? Because uh, I know you've got one. Could I just hang out in your basement for a bit? And I say, Lord, uh, no. It, there's a lot of dirt down there in the basement. There's stuff that I've never actually shown to anybody else. There's the things that are there that I forgot that they're there. And I would prefer it, Lord, if you stay exactly where you are in the porch. Because to be in my basement, well, it's, Lord, it's just a little bit messy. And I think I might do a better job myself, Lord, if I go there first and just clean it up a bit before I allow you to come into the bed. You see where I'm going, don't you, with this? In our lives, often that's what happens. We kind of say, Lord, come on in. And then we, we leave him out in, in the porch area. And he says, I want to come in and I want to uh, bless your family in the living room I want to come in and be there I want to come into the basement of your life where all the rubbish is and the stuff that's grotty and horrible and being left there for years and you're wondering what to do about it I want to come in there and I want to be at work bringing some healing the word that gets planted in us James says look humbly accept daily that sense of Lord come in out from the porch into the rest of my cottage be present there, Lord. Bring healing where it's needed. 
um, point things out that need to be moved or shifted or got rid of. Do the cleaning work, Lord, that you need to do. And in that, the bit that's just before in verse 21, get rid of all moral filth. This is what Jesus wants to do in our lives. You see, you think you're more messed up than anybody else. But the reality is, you're not. You're as messed up as the rest of us, just in slightly different ways. We're all in the same boat with this stuff. We invite Jesus to come in and to bring transformation and change. And you know, I discovered a very interesting thing this week about this word, get rid. And the, and the word that's used, moral filth, in the original language, uh, do you know, it's, the, it's a word that means literally earwax. Now, we could have a time of ministry just into that, really, couldn't we? As we gaze into one another's ears um, with that sense of, gosh, how, lo- how lovely or how disgusting. But it's that sense of, of it's, what, it's what James writes. He says, you know, get, get rid of the earwax in your life. The stuff that is blocking your ears. And when you have your ears full of earwax, it does, it does inhibit your ability to hear stuff. How many people have had, this is a bit disgusting, but how many have had your ears syringed? Yeah. And what was it, what was it like? <laughs> Nicer. Nicer. So after, what, what, what happened afterwards? What was the difference? So clearer. So once you had your ears syringed, there was an ability to hear much better. And no doubt, the rest of you, uh, we could have a time of syringing stories, couldn't we? But actually, that sense of, we just hear clearer. When stuff is cleared out, we can begin to hear clearer. And actually, when our lives are full of earwax, it's tougher to make space for the good things that God wants to do. And in fact, the equation always goes, Jesus longs to clean out some of the rubbish in order that he might fill it, the space where it was, with good things. Isn't that a gospel message of what Jesus comes to do? To clear out the earwax in order that we might hear clearly and to fill it, fill the space with good things. Karen mentioned the healing week with Lynn Button. And I would say, as well as coming to get, learn how to get better in praying for other people, I would say, why don't you come for you? Just come for you. Uh, don't you know, just think about, gosh, you wouldn't be great. I'll learn things about how to pray. Come for you. Because if we're, if we're absolutely honest, there'll be things in our lives that are the bugbear of each of our lives. And they'll be different. If we had a really honest five minutes here and we said, right, hands up, let's just go around. What's, what's the issue for you? What is the thing that gets you? You know, some will be, well, there's low self-esteem. For others, it'll be, you know, the stuff that I choose to look at on the internet that I have no, you know, feel like I have no control over. For others, it will be fear. For others, it will be anger. For others, it will, you know, they'll... Every one of us will have stuff. What a great opportunity in May to come. Book in for four days and get that stuff with complete strangers. Get it out there. Allow the Lord to skim it off the top and to bring some healing into our lives. The belief 
that saves is belief that is transformative. Just that moment that says I've become a Christian, you know, that's not what it's all about. It's about the stuff that happens after that. I love what Jean Calvin, otherwise known as John Calvin, said in... um, 1554, he said this, you know, it's faith alone that justifies us, he said, but the faith that justifies us is never alone. In other words, faith in Jesus is what gets us rescued, but the faith in Jesus that gets us rescued never stands by itself. There are the things that happen after that that are absolutely essential. It's not just about uh, salvation, but it's about sanctification being made more like Jesus. Now you think, you know, if you think any preacher in this church is scary, imagine if we rocked up looking like that every Sunday. So there's the belief that saves. The impact of the gospel on our lives has um, contact with the way that we go about living our lives. It's belief that saves. And so James says this, look, here's this this response to the word planted in you. Humbly accept this word. And then he says, now, here's a practical way um, of the outcomings of, of, the, of the outcome of this. It says, everyone. Now, in the Greek, this is very technical. In the Greek, when it says everyone, it literally means everyone. I know it's in the realms of the rocket science that teaching this is, but it But nobody's excluded from this. Everyone, then, James says, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And it's a theme that James returns to in James chapter 3 when he's talking about the way that we use our language and our speech. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to become angry. And I think... Yeah, come back to that in a second. So it's belief that saves, but that belief then has an effect on the way that we live our lives we can't count ourselves out from that it's an everyone thing everyone should be quick to listen and slow to become angry and there are some familiar verses in proverbs and beyond that talks about the way that we speak and our attitude in that which we'll come back to in a couple of weeks time so the second thing blessings that flow. And this is verse 22. James, to all these Christians, he's saying, now listen, don't just be listeners to the word. Don't just be people that hear what's being said about how much God loves and how much God saves and rescues, and then just listening to it. Do something active. Do something. Do what it says, James said. No doubt the words of Jesus ringing in his mind. Therefore, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into a book, into a theological concept, uh, into a theological college, put them into practice, Jesus said, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Blessing flows because we put into practice what we have learnt. Now, Let's just imagine for a moment that you decide one day to get concerned about your vicar's health. And you come to me and you say, Sai, um, as you move into the older years of your life, we don't want you to end up being too f- flabby or having 
uh, what's called furniture problems, you know, where your chest drops into your drawers. So, so we'd like you to, um, we, we'd like to take up a special offering and buy you a, a gift. And the gift we'd like to buy you is Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodybuilding book. Um, you say to me, you know, it's a book that can change your life, Si. It's fantastic. It's changed the lives of millions of people around the globe. Uh, it will keep you strong. Uh, it, it, will, it will be a blessing to you. Um, it's changed Ginny Rox's life. Um, re- it's a bit unfair, he's not back yet. It, um, it will be a blessing to you. Uh, read it. And I say, thank you, church, thank you so much for this wonderful gift that you've given me. And I go away for six months. Uh, and I come back six months later absolutely the same. In fact, worse. And you say to me, Sai, what happened? Didn't you read the book? And I say to you, you know, I did. I read it, and I enjoyed it muchly. Um, It's the greatest book I've ever read. I loved reading it. In fact, I loved it so much, I underlined certain portions of it with colored markers. I memorized sections of it, and I even started a group study of the book. And I looked at the etymology of every single word in it. Uh, it, it, Every night I would spend a couple of nights just studying it. Every day. (laughs) A couple of hours just studying it. And you'd say to me, that doesn't make any sense. What we gave you made no difference in your life. You looked at it, you studied it, you underlined it, but you didn't put it into practice. You didn't do anything with it. And you see, what happens with us often is we do exactly that. We we study it, we read it, we think about it, we get into groups and we ponder it. But God calls us to be people who put it into practice. We give awards to people for memorizing scripture, but we don't give awards in Sunday clubs for people doing scripture. It's not about memorizing it. It's about doing it. Memorizing may, memorizing may help you to do it, but we must be those who absolutely do it. James put it like this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. Anyone not living out the Christian life in practice who cannot explain what it looks like in practice is like a person who cannot describe what they look like to another person. We can't just be listeners. We've got to be doers. And uh, just in case you think this sounds like a familiar message for a St. Michael's folk, here's a reminder. This is the story of a little village on the edge of a big city where every week a handful of people go to church. They sing some hymns and say some prayers. Then they go home again and it makes absolutely no difference at all. The end. No, it isn't. 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 
It's actually the story of a crowd of everyday people who want their lives to make a difference. They're part of a church with a fine tradition of serving the local community. Their good work has grown beyond all expectation. And now they face a massive challenge, a unique opportunity that has the potential to make so much difference that they simply cannot keep it to themselves. It's about lives making a difference. It's about restoring relationships. It's about rebuilding community. And it's about individual lives discovering the difference that we could make. We're inviting everyone to find out a little more about these audacious plans to make such a difference in this community, across this region and beyond. Blessing flows from being that kind of church where we are not listeners to the word, but actually we put it into practice, doing what it says. Blessing flows from obedience. We said that this morning in church and yesterday in the School of the Spirit. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, yes, but the Bible is such a, an awkward book to have to put into practice. So many bits of it that, you know, should I do that? Should I not do that? You know, it's very complex. I mean, you don't quite understand the complexity of this issue. You really need to go back to Bible college and have a good study of this. I love what Mark Twain said, the American author, uh, humorist. He said this, Do you know, it's not the bits of the Bible that I don't understand that cause me the most problems. It's the passages that I do understand. Success as a Christian, it seems to me, is not about believing certain propositions, but it's about practicing your beliefs certainly. The challenge for us this week is this. Um, where possible in this week up ahead what you read in scripture do it what you read in scripture this week do it if you do do that you will be blessed not only that but other people will be blessed it's not just about reading it it's about doing something with it and this last week um, James chapter 1 uh, was something I was having a little read through for obvious reasons. And um, in the course of our week, uh, Karen and I had a little mild disagreement, as you have, from, from time to time. It happens, these things. Um, you probably never have those kind of discussions if you're married, um, but we, we, we did. And um, one of the things that... that and we were saying this a little bit in church this morning. One of the things that often happens with the discussions that we have in our marriage is that, is that I am very poor at listening. Now, I'm quite good at giving advice. In fact, I've got loads of really good bits of advice that I could share with you. Um, later on if you want you know, I'm quite good at that, at that bit and we were having a um, frank discussion where I was giving loads of really helpful advice um, or so I thought and then the, the next morning I read from James chapter 1 verse 19 where James wrote 
My dear Simon, (laughs) take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And in that moment, it's obvious, isn't it? God just went, this is not right. And I recognized that I had to say to Karen, you know, I, I'm really sorry, actually. What, the way that I spoke, the way that I didn't listen was just not right. And, um, and then she apologized to me as well. And it was all good. When we put into practice what God says, things happen differently. It's not about believing certain propositions that makes you a Christian. It's about practicing your beliefs certainly. And when we do that, God is at work bringing blessing. And lastly, and I'm not going to spend loads of time on this because we'll come back to it. uh, The religion that counts, therefore, is the religion of practice. It's about living this stuff out. Now, in 30 seconds, 4.30 seconds, starting when I say go, I want you to call out those bits in the Bible that are absolutely obvious that we must do. What must we practice from Scripture uh, as Christians? Uh, So, and I'm going to start us off. So, forgiving other people. We must do it. Uh, Ready and go. One at a time, one at a time. Loving your neighbour. Call them out. Call it out loudly. Practicing hospitality. Yeah, we do it. So that. Submitting to your husband. Like that one. Let's have that one again. Um, Oh, that's the second bit of that. Yes. Husbands. Yes. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yeah. ah, So we need to do that stuff. Yeah, what else? Don't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah, we need to do that stuff. Be generous on every occasion. occasion. Make disciples. We need to do that stuff. Keep going. Helen, yeah. Give to the poor. Yeah, we need to do that. Heal the sick. Casting out demons. Raising the dead. Let's go. Yeah, let's give it a go. Pray continually. Don't worry. This side of the church, you're losing. Come on. It's cheating. No, that's not in the Bible. Don't cheat. Humble yourself before the Lord. Be, be perfect as the Lord is. Yeah, massive challenge. We'll practice that one this week, Emily. Worship in spirit and truth. Yeah, over this side. Ask and you will receive. Yeah. Have no anxiety about anything. Act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly. With your God, yeah. Micah 6. Say that. Pray for your leaders, yeah. Be not what? Be not puffed up. Yeah. I'm working on that one. Yeah. Say that again. And acknowledge God in all your ways. So, we get, the, we get it, don't we? We get it. The things that we read this week, here's a challenge. What you read this week... Put it into practice. 
because the kind of religion that God looks for is not the puffed up kind of religion. See you guys, have fun. (laughs) The kind of religion we're called to practice is not the the puffed up kind, the super uh, uh, pretense kind. It's about being a, a people who respond to Jesus. We welcome him into the whole of our lives and out of that he calls us to put into practice what we receive, to actually do it, to pray for the sick, to, to pray for deliverance and healing, to make disciples, all the things that we've just said. So there we go, listening and doing. It's not just about listening, although listening is a good thing as we've heard already, it's about then doing it. What am I going to do differently this week than I did this last week? What is it the person said? You know, if you do the same thing time and time again and expect a different result, what is that? The first sign of madness, I think they say. We're called to be living differently. So practice what I've been preaching. And I'll try and do the same. Why don't we... Um, why don't... And can... Yeah. There is an offer of extra help for anybody else who might need it. Why don't we stand together?